have an open mindset no matter what you do and just think, you know, we can find a way. Teachers are are so committed to their students. They're all about caring and supporting their students and just find a way to make learning happen anywhere, anytime. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So today we are taking Learning Unboxed on the road. We are headed to the wonderful continent of Australia, uh, one of those places that is an all-time favorite of mine to visit. I've been many times, and today we are going to talk with Karen Yeager, who is the Deputy Head K-12 at Knox Grammar School, which is in New South Wales. And Karen will regale us um, with the amazing things that happens um, at Knox. I had the privilege of having Karen and her colleagues come and visit the Past Innovation Lab along with some other places. And so it's just been a true, true joy to have the opportunity to get to know Karen and what's happening um, in particular at Knox. And um, just at most very high level, a couple of things that we're going to dig into that I'm really excited actually to talk about is a new program called the Academy of global competency. And for folks um, in particular here in the U.S., listen to this part. You know, uh, a piece of the work is around a certificate of global competency in K-12 that is achieved through micro-credentials that come under the categories of agency and entrepreneurialism, altruism, advocacy, citizenship, and deep learning and agility. We should all aspire to be this cool. So Karen, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. It's wonderful to to meet and see you again. And um, it's it's just, uh, I feel really privileged to be part of this program. Oh, well, we, we, we are excited to have you and to really sort of dig in. And, you know, another piece of Karen's background, she is a highly decorated, if you will, educator, all kinds of accolades. Her, her bio is a sort of a who's who of, hey, I've done this really, really cool and amazing stuff. And she's currently working on her PhD through the University of Newcastle. And, you know, part of the program we're going to talk about, I'm sure, um, feeds into all of that work. So, Karen, let's start with, for folks who are not familiar... Give us the 100,000 sort of foot view, if you will, about the Knox schools and and sort of where and what. So we've got three campuses in Sydney, um, 3,300 students. Uh, One campus is a a prep school pre-K, so four-year-olds through to year six grade, which is about 11, 11 years of age, and that's a co-ed school. And then our other campus is just all little boys, about 700 of them. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) They're busy, I bet. (laughs) They're just so cute. (laughs) You imagine, you know, a class full of 24 five-year-olds. They really are very cute. And then the CD campus is about 2,600 boys. So from right through their leaving year. And we're an independent school. And um, however, we have a research institute attached to our school that I started about five years ago. 
and it's a research institute of innovation and um, and um, it's about professional learning. And we actually work with um, schools across New South Wales, so public schools, Catholic schools, all sectors. Mm-hmm. It's a mutual giving back, like aspiring leaders programs together, working with Indigenous communities. So it's um, a uniting church ethos of this school, which is about you always give back. It's it's never about being privileged just because we're an independent school. We're, we're really, really blessed that um, we have great technology here. We have an iHub, which has got... Um, Inglu, we can do VR work. Um, wow. The boys are making humanoid currently, so they're up to the two arms of a, a human-sized robot. Wow. Uh, so, that, you know, there's lots of really innovative stuff happening here. And we have cadets, 1,000 students in a cadet unit with girls from another school. And we also have tons of music and performing arts programs, et cetera. So it's a really diverse school. Wow, that's really amazing. And how do the... So the the schools um, and the campus is in Sydney. So obviously the kids are coming from the surrounds. How do how do kids, just for those who don't know, how do how do students select into schools in yeah. Sydney? How does that work? So in Sydney, you've got both a, a public system, um, which is the Department of Education, where you just go to your local area school. Mm-hmm. We've got Catholic education based on religion, obviously. And then an independent school like ours, where there's no selection test or anything like that. So we're very comprehensive school, but is a fee-paying school. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference to it. Now, three campuses are spread across, um, divided by a railway line. So our boys come in from all over the place, from but by bus, by their parents, or they walk mm-hmm. or by train. So you know, it's about eight hundred on a train coming just at one time. For wow, example. that's something else. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. So tell us about the project that you've been working on. It sounds like over a couple of years. This is a real passion project for you in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us about the Academy of Global Competency. The name alone should get everybody mm-hmm. to stand up and say, oh my gosh, what are they doing in Sydney? I want to be part of that. So tell us what this whole idea of yours was. Well, the the dream started three years ago when I was watching um, our ninth and 10th graders and I call them the Peter Pan boys, the lost (laughs) boys. Uh, We don't have in um, New South Wales or Australia actually a year 10 certificate all. There's just one when you you finish in 12th grade. Mm -hmm. And so they just had this sense of no purpose at all and they were drifting. And I kind of, I looked at our senior boys and our senior boys work so beautifully together. They achieve amazing academic results. Our little guys, you know, the seventh and eighth graders, they're happy no matter what. Um, <laughs> but it's those 15-year-olds in particular mm-hmm. who just seem lost. Their academic results weren't as good as what they should be. And I kind of thought, how do we give them a sense of purpose? How do we get that passion, purpose and mastery into their lives and really make them more agile. Because the other thing I'm noticing about, I don't know about your teenagers over there, but I'm noticing our teenagers, that lack of agility, you know, they, mm-hmm. they the kind of response is just give me the work and I'll do it. They're not risk takers anymore like they used to be. That sense of courage seems to have gone from some of our students. They're Why not do you just think- our students, but Australian mm-hmm. kids. Why do you think that is, Karen, before we go any further? What, what do you think I- is the root cause of that? I think it's the education system. Mm. We have really um, starting, uh, Julia Gillard actually followed the New York system mm-hmm. where we overtest. And so, you know, we've got what's called NAPLAN, which is in year three, five and seven and nine, and it's a literacy and numeracy test. 
It's a jumping through the hoops style of test. Mm-hmm. If we've got an end of school, a leaving called an HSC, which you have to get what's called an ATAR or a, a rank to get into university. And it's not recognizing skills beyond the academics. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's really narrowing the choices for children. And when you've got a culture of testing, you'll get teachers teaching to a test. Yes, indeed. And the richness and breadth of education is lost. Mm-hmm. The other problem is our curriculum. In the secondary schools, um, we have outcomes that are mandatory, but also content that's mandatory. So if I'm a young teacher and I'm trying to teach, for example, chemistry, mm-hmm. and I don't cover, cover every dot point of my content, I could be disadvantaging my students for the HSC. So where's the time to tinker and play yeah. and imagine? Mm-hmm. But fortunately, we've got a curriculum review happening, which uh, an Australian curriculum review and, and strangely enough, a New South Wales curriculum review, which is looking at three big things, decluttering, so mm-hmm. stripping a lot of the content away, trusting teachers, there's a novel idea. Um, <laughs> you mean that thing that they trained for, you know, to let them actually find their passions and run with it with their kids? Yeah. And the second one is the big ideas and concepts, which have really been missing. And so a real push for that. And then the third one is applied learning. Because if you look at um, our students in PISA, for example, our 15-year-olds have been declining in mathematics now for the last you know, the last three PISA tests. However, I travelled um, four years ago to um, Finland and I met the writer of PISA, Yuni from Yamalaska, mm-hmm. and he actually laughed. He said, I don't know why American schools and all the others actually measure themselves, he said, because the PISA test is all about applied learning. Right. Now, our right. maths curriculum is pure maths. Mm-hmm. So our Australian kids don't do applied mathematics. It's pure. Right. But that's all changing. So by 2024, we should have all these wonderful, I'm hoping, new set of um, curriculum. But at the same time, we've got politicians telling us we've got to get back to the basics. Yeah. And uh, teacher-directed learning so that, you know, the kids are really going to learn like they did in the industrial age. So there's this real conflict for teachers mm-hmm. between innovation. But I've taught most of my career in very tough, disadvantaged communities in and loved every one of them where if I didn't give kids the key to education, they would end up in juvenile detention or in jail, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so my passion became that you can actually still get academic excellence with applied learning and with all these great global competencies, which are Fullen and Hag- um, Fullen's work and Langworthy's work, you know, that 21st century skills as we call them, and get kids to be agile. And as a result, the last school I was at, which was um, nearly 30% Indigenous kids. We beat both private schools either side of us and had extraordinary results because it was about getting kids passionate. So it's kind of a long-winded, you can tell I'm, yeah, I'm actually being one of the ones who've been writing in response to the, and um, I'm on the Australian Professional Teachers Association as a director, so I've been really driving that, you know, our education needs to change. You know, the 19th century industrial age model needs to be killed. Yeah, and it's the same all over the world. And, you know, one of the wonderful advantages that I have with this program is I get to talk with really, really innovative people around the world that are doing really creative things. And it is without question. And, you know, when you and I spoke when you traveled to the States, you know, there's, there is no question that we have got incredibly talented and passionate people who are being squashed by the system that won't allow mm-hmm. them to engage. 
right? They can't engage with, with their colleagues in meaningful ways. They can't engage with their students, their families, or even in their community because they're so, as you pointed out, you know, so strong often. Um, but there are these pockets, right? There, there are these efforts that are happening that are absolutely remarkable. And I, that, that is the moment we should be learning from because there's so, so much knowledge that could be shared in that sense. And that takes me to why then the Middle Academy, because I do believe you can still do it all and mm-hmm. still get those academic results. And our, you know, our definition of academic excellence is deep learning and rigor plus global competencies. You can do them and it has mm-hmm. to be done meaningfully. So I got a team of boys together from seventh grade through to 11th grade. They worked with the architects and the designers. It was just a, um, a fit out, a refit out again because it's an existing building. And I said, what do you want? What would you like to see? I, and I'm, I had the photographs of the past foundation. Oh, you did? So I put the photographs for them <laughs> and I had them up on you know, the data projector and I showed them everything and they got really excited. <laughs> and so they said, okay, we want man caves. Uh-huh. So actually- <laughs> Instead of labs, man caves, great. Yeah. I love yeah. it. <laughs> and then they wanted, like, you've got the lab buildings because, yep. uh, for example, the rugby boy. Yeah. He said, rugby team wants to meet and discuss their moves and actually view videos of our playing so we can get better. Uh-huh. Then we had the really quiet, shy boys on the spectrum. Um, and they said, we want the man caves where we can study together in a nice little den style. Mm-hmm. Uh, another young man said, I want it to be environmentally friendly, so I, I want lots of greenery in this place mm-hmm. and lots of light. Uh, they wanted uh, some LED signs so it felt more like an innovative workplace. Mm-hmm. So what we've created with the boys is a real industrial feel place. Downstairs is, uh, for example, the concrete, the exposed concrete and, you know, really um, mm-hmm. the exposed ceilings and they feel it was funny. One of the, the boys is normally like what you would call a dear student and he's a bit of a lad. I call him a lad, okay? Uh-huh. He's often in trouble. <laughs> and he came up to me last year and he said, I've, that's my legacy. Mm-hmm. He said, I helped create this place. And he said, I feel a sense of worth now that my voice is heard. So my, for me, education is about student voice too. Mm-hmm. And so the boys and a handful of teachers work together. We worked with a company called WeWork who never do schools. They only do like Microsoft innovation spaces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We wanted to just break that, you know, that's been right. happening in the past. And then we started introducing new subjects. So um, we introduced iSTEM, which means they're doing mechatronics, they're doing right. robotics, AI mm-hmm. work, et cetera. We introduced engineering. We have it in 11 and 12. We didn't have it in ninth and 10th grade. So oh, jeez. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And um, then I decided I really want to write a course called Entrepreneurial Ethics. Because a lot of our young men become businessmen. Mm-hmm. They become the CEOs of the future. And there's a, quite a lot of famous alumni. I mean, they also become um, Hugh Jackman as a Knox man. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they, and Gough Whitlam, our former prime minister, was from Knox. Oh, so well, there we, you go. Yeah. <laughs> very different spectrums of um, who graduates from mm-hmm. here. And um, so I wrote this new course with a couple of teachers and I introduce things like ethics and innovation, um, the business of war, because I'm teaching boys. Mm-hmm. You know, what does international arms trade mean? What's just war theory, for example? It will start next year. Actually, over here, all of the courses have to be endorsed by what's called an educational standards board. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think it would get endorsed because we're reviewing the curriculum, but they endorsed it, which is really exciting. Yeah. 
Um, so I also got 45 boys to review it. Wow. And they gave okay. far better feedback than even the teachers because they were quite critical of parts mm-hmm. and the other really exciting thing I've added to this, I've just written the first unit of work for next year. It goes for a whole term. For us, that's 10 weeks. Right, right. And as a model. And I'm employing former students to actually write the units of work for it. And so one student is working at the Australian Defence Force. He's actually into computer games and he designs war games. So he's going to write that unit for me. I've got another one who's uh, an engineer He's actually writing in and he's working in the world of AI, et cetera, mm-hmm. computer engineering. He's writing that one for me. So it's, it's also this continuum mm-hmm. and the boys in 9 and 10 then feel connected to their alumni and, they, and the other thing I'm doing, I'm working with um, entrepreneurs. So, for example, one of them is Patrick Chai. Have you, have you heard of eSports? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We, we, uh, we have launched big time here. So, yes. Patrick Chai is esports. Uh-huh. He started it. He borrowed about 25,000 as a young man. And of course, now the rest is history. Yep. Yep. Um, Patrick's going to be working with these young guys. Uh, we're working with the University of Entrepreneurialism at Sydney University. Mm-hmm. Um, just met with them last week. We're mer- working with another man from China who is actually a billionaire who's done some amazing stuff. He started schools um, in China in rural areas. Um, he's a parent. So we've got some really this close working with industry, close working with the university, and then I designed the mic, the Knox certificate of micro credentials to follow to to actually fit that. So I guess two follow up questions because I'm just I am so loving this. I you know I'm like oh my <laughs> gosh I can't wait to come I can't wait to see it. I am going to come visit you uh, because I want <laughs> I want to see it in action. I want to see the kids engaged in it, you know, as it's running and doing its thing. So my, my first question is, so I'm really, I love the fact that you brought these boys, these kids in to be part of your design team right from the get-go. Um, you know, we advocate for that, talk about it all the time that, you know, we have this great missed opportunity because we believe that, you know, our our students aren't ready to do take your pick. I hear that all the time. And the reality is Mm. our kids are amazing. We just Mm. forget to ask, right? And we, and back to your point, we sort of drill and kill them so frequently that we squash the innovation out of them. So I love that you guys did that. So so just clarify for me. So when you actually got to the point of sitting down and writing the coursework then, and you mentioned somebody um, in AI and somebody in engineering, are those actual Knox students now helping you write those modules? Or are those graduates who are, co- how, how exactly is the writing of these modules happening? They're graduates. So okay. we folks in the industry that. who are coming back to help you get the content correct. Yes. So one's only one year out. He's only in his first year of university. What's interesting, I sent him my unit of work, the one I wrote, and he critiqued it. And he gave (laughs) me some amazing ideas because I'd given it to a colleague and the colleague said, oh, I love that this is brilliant Mm -hmm. and I don't want that. He gives it back and he goes, look, this is really great, but why don't you think about this and this would be really cool and... I like your design thinking you're using, but, you know, design thinking needs a little bit of a tweak here now. It's changed in the industry. It was just, I mean, this is a 19-year-old boy. But it was current too. Yeah. yeah, It's amazing. Amazing. And he'd done his research on it. And I just, I don't know, I I got really teary because I thought 
this is what learning is. Mm-hmm. It's that lifelong learning that we talk about and just meaninglessly we throw that out there, but it's not happening. And mm-hmm. here's a young man who's in a completely different field, but he's so committed to education and to, you know, his school, former school, and excited by it. And, and they, he doesn't even know I'm going to pay him. <laughs> He's got no idea. <laughs> I'm actually going to pay for it. So it's, it's, I don't know. It's really, I don't know, it's, it's just exciting. And I, I really believe since I've, I've first started in education about what you said about students having mm-hmm. a say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes such a huge difference. And I see it all the time, you know, and since you've been to the Innovation Lab, you, you understand the context of it. You know, one of the things that I... I literally is one of the great joys that I have is if I'm having a tough day, I can walk out into the middle of the innovation lab and just sit myself down in the midst of what's going on in all of the different labs. And, you know, just by being a casual but deliberate observer, the thing that I know to the very sort of, you know, marrow of my being, so to speak, is that when we toss kids a real problem, something that's tangible, it's not made up, it's, it's, it's a thing that has to be solved right now. We empower them to believe they can. And they can, and they will, right? And so, you know, that that notion of tapping into both the curiosity that they have, but also the ability to problem solve, and we scaffold them to make sure they can do it well. You know, there's all of those components that are are really um, important, but they take ownership. And that's the other thing. And that's part of what I love about what you're talking about with this academy is that the kids own what they learn. And the the idea that you are literally building lifelong learning as one of your absolute non-negotiable outcomes, that is not what traditional education is doing right now. No. And what's been exciting out of this is we have clubs after school. Mm -hmm. One of those clubs that just started as an AI club that was started by a young man, a 15-year-old. It's now got about 85 students in it. That's the group building the humanoid. And they actually sourced it. They got people to donate all these Uh parts to them and they contacted all these uh, professors from university and industry and now they've got all these mentors that it's you know that sense I go up there in the and it's called the IHUB I go up there and watch them Mm -hmm. and you're right they're just so engrossed in what they're doing and they'll Mm -hmm. argue and they'll work Mm -hmm. together and collaborate Mm -hmm. and then they try again and it's just so different to what we often see in education yep you know, I, I'm, you're not defined by in Australia by your ATAR or in America by your SAT score. Right, right. No, that's it's you're more than that. Mm-hmm. But what I'm arguing in education is you can be both. Right. And I think that's where a lot of learning is. There's been a disconnect. You know, they either say you've got to be project based learning, and we mm-hmm. forget about the great academic results. My argument is you get great academic results when you allow applied learning or inquiry Absolutely. learning. Absolutely. I hear that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bow to that. Absolutely. 100%, right? Because right. You, you you don't want one without the other, right? The, no. the rigor, the problem and project-based environment, that applied environment, whatever label you want to put on it from wherever you are in the world, the reality is that gives those kids the chance to try, to tinker, to experiment, to innovate, yes. to fail, and to to learn from the thing that didn't work and to try again. And, and, you know, for me, when I walk into the innovation lab or for you into the, into the AI build space, you know, I'm sure it's the same sort of thing. And, and what I see 
happening over and over and over again is, you know, the, the kids of the innovation lab, they don't believe even for a second that they can't. Mm-hmm. That's a That's completely right. different mindset, right? And it ends mm-hmm. with very, very different, not just outcomes or achievement, but different um, points of view around the way they think about the world and, and life and their role in it. Yeah. And it's very tangible. The kids who've come through that environment, you know, I laugh because one of the things that we do with the kiddos is we have industry partners and we will oftentimes ask industry partners, could you please give us a real design challenge, something that you are working on. So maybe you're in automotive industry or whatever. It doesn't make any difference. Give us a thing, a small thing that you're working on, a problem that you need solved and let us come up with some possible scenarios and let us pitch it to you. Let us be your R&D. And it doesn't matter that my kids don't have enough math when we start. They haven't taken that level course, right, or whatever that we're, we, we, we should think about the way we traditionally scaffold through, it doesn't make any difference because in the actual applied opportunity to try to solve, they'll, they'll get what they need. And they will get it at a much, much higher level and rigor. And, you know, I, I laugh at folks when they ask me about this. And I said, well, you know, end of the day, I would put our kids up against any R&D team in the world. I agree because the curiosity um, has not been killed. Right. right. <laughs> and so they, and they, you're right, you're right. And that imagination that we just seems to somehow disappear the older we get. And let's face it, in this current world, we need this mindset mm-hmm. more than ever. Absolutely. You know, we, and, you know, it's not always the case in our young people. And I, I think at the moment with COVID, a lot of young Australians, and I say it'd be the same in America, I'm seeing a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've lost so much. You know, right. there's no longer their school formal. There's no longer what we call in Australia schoolies where right. they go to the Gold Coast. Right. There's no longer cadets or the mm-hmm. things that they could do. And virtual is great and we're doing it, but it doesn't make up for the fact that they were often the lights at their end of their tunnels. So we've got to find hope in other ways mm-hmm. and get them to see how important it is to do all those things you've just said that you know, to apply, to be curious, um, to tinker, to imagine still, despite whatever darkness is there. Mm -hmm. So what do you, as we sort of think about in wrapping the conversation, so next year, if you will, so the next term, where you will have the first students enter the Academy of Global Competency, right? They will take the first sets of courses and and then are they entering as ninth graders? Yes, they're ninth graders. So we've actually already got them there. They've already started this year okay. for the first time. And walking to that space is quite extraordinary because I love Bandura's work around social learning theory. Mm-hmm. You know, students working together in teams and supporting each other. And, you know, it's been really, really evident here um, in the last couple of weeks. There's been a couple of tragedies that have happened. And I've just watched the boys um, they're, they're a tribe. They mm-hmm. support each other and they wrap their arms around each other. But you go over into that global competency space and you've got boys in the booth, you've got boys in the lab mm-hmm. spaces and, you know, it's just this buzz of excitement, engagement that's happening there. What, what Karen, what is it that you want? So when these, these ninth graders make it through and they've completed and, and, and they leave Knox, they go on to whatever the next iteration for, for them is going to be. What's your aspiration for them? There's a, the first one is to, to be agile. 
because the world is unpredictable. There is no certainty now. Mm-hmm. And if you're not agile, you don't cope. And in Australia, one in five males suffer from depression. Mm. So I, I really want that agility. I want agency. I want them to feel as if they own their learning, they own the, they have the power to be, to do, become whatever they dream. Um, and it might be as, you know, I was working with a young man yesterday who wants to be a doctor, but he's not going to get the marks. So I said, right, you go and do an applied science degree mm-hmm. and then you still keep that dream alive. And then you're going to a second degree, your postgrad and do medicine mm-hmm. and you're going to be the most amazing doctor. And I, you know, I just, just think they've got to keep the dream alive by that. And then the third one is why, you know, I talk about entrepreneurial ethics, for example, that that, that sense of citizenship, yes. that, that we're part of a community and it's about empathy. And I'm seeing a lot of hatred at the moment in the world. And I think that we need to get back to that place of caring and that place of, of um, you know, really valuing everyone and walking in another's shoes. So, you know, there's, there's I suppose, a, an informed, agile, global citizen and that they see themselves as part of the greater world, not just Australia, this this mm-hmm. island as we are, but part of a greater community. Yeah, that you know, there are no words because I think that it's the perfect aspiration, right? And I think that everybody involved in education, that's exactly what they want um, of mm-hmm. their students. And yet oftentimes we're so far from being able to achieve that. And so I think it's, it's, um, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that you are in fact doing it and, and your, your students are excelling, your students are growing and they're going to become these amazing, these, these amazing young men who are going to go off into the world and just do incredible things. So that's pretty awesome, Karen. So thank you for everything that you do. And thank you for sharing the journey and the story of what's happening at Knox. Um, I always like to close the program and and certainly right now uh, in the midst of of a global pandemic um, was sort of you know, a lob. I'm I'm a I'm a teacher in you know some p- other part of the world or an administrator struggling with having a meaningful experience for my students right now in this moment. Um, what what piece of advice do you have for folks who you know in the U.S. we're gearing up right now uh, to start our new sets of terms, and in other parts of the world they're they're already in process. What would be your words of wisdom, Karen, for folks in that moment? Look, use the technology, use it to connect, to keep your community alive, whether it's you're on campus or you're off campus, that it's constantly, I mean, watching, for example, our symphony orchestra playing with, you know, nearly, we're talking about 800 students all on Zoom, all playing in this amazing harmony and synergy together, but not in the same room together Mm -hmm. and celebrating whether it's the, the reverend holding our service in the chapel and beaming out to all our parents and all our students and he uh, rode his Harley onto the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, to find, to work together collaboratively as teachers, we use train the trainer model because we had a week mm-hmm. to turn around. Mm-hmm. So week, as wow. teachers yeah. to have the same agency and agility mm-hmm. and, and to really have, not lose that sense of hope and joy that we love in education, but find other ways. Don't just give up and say, okay, it's not face-to-face, but find a way to connect. And technology is your greatest tool. Mm -hmm. Zoom to me has just been incredible. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, we did all our interviews with parents. We've done everything via Zoom and it's a powerful way to do it. We're even going to have our seventh grade orientation next year. We're going to have what's called the Knox Vibe moments where Wine and Vicky's online with parents. <laughs> uh, do everything virtually. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think, you know, have an open mindset no matter what you do and just think, you know, we can find a way. Teachers are, in, are so committed to their students. Mm-hmm. They're all about caring and supporting their students and just find a way to make learning happen anywhere, anytime. Absolutely. Great words of advice and wisdom. So thank you, Karen, so much for uh, spending time with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.